y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Nuga Bell podcast, all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have a passion for stories, and this is where some of the best ones get told. So join me and my guests as we talk about all things Chattanooga, life in the South, and beyond. Now pour yourself a cup of coffee, a glass of sweet tea, or a nice old-fashioned, and join us. We're so glad you're here. Monday. Oh, yes. <laughs> I usually don't record on Mondays, so this is like a nice change of pace because I usually come home from work on Mondays. Like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, you can't help it sometimes. Did you do anything fun over the weekend? What did I do over the weekend? Oh, my boyfriend and I experimented with a new dinner recipe. Mm-hmm. So we made Asian cauliflower in the style of like orange chicken. Ah, uh, yes. But instead of chicken, obviously we use cauliflower. Uh huh. And it was delicious Good. the night we made it. Uh But I learned today, it does not reheat well for leftovers. I can believe that. Did it get mushy? Yeah. Mommy got too watery? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So lesson learned, next time only do half the head of cauliflower. Oh, okay. So that you don't have leftovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you prepare it? Like, how did you cook it? Did you steam it? No, it was baked. Okay. So the recipe was like you cut it into florets and then you dip it in egg wash and breadcrumbs and then you bake it Ah. and then you make the sauce while it's baking and then you toss it in the sauce when it comes out. Gotcha. That's pretty much how um, most Asian recipes and Chinese recipes, what I have found, Mm -hmm. that's how it goes. Like there's a preparation and then there's a sauce. Yeah. Which I don't hate, and I like Yeah, the I don't sauce. hate it at all, because I have found myself really experimenting a lot more with sauces, mm-hmm. um, and getting into those, and paying much more attention to the sauce, whereas before, you know, it may have been an afterthought. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, tweaking on it, and more ginger, mm-hmm. and you know, tasting as you go, mm-hmm. that's a, it's a skill to learn, is tasting while yeah. you go. I wish I had, so I altered the sauce recipe a little bit from the original because it called for like a quarter cup of sugar and some other stuff. And I reduced the sugar. I only did like two tablespoons. And then it was like the juice of an orange and then a little bit of sriracha, a little bit of Mm. soy sauce, and then like garlic, ginger, all that kind of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wish I had put a little bit more soy sauce and a little bit more sriracha because Mm -hmm. even though I reduced the sugar, it was still really sweet. Yeah. I'll always cut down and um, I usually will replace sugar with honey. Mm, Um, Good idea. That goes really well. Um, At my sister's house this weekend when I cooked a Chinese meal, she happened to have sorghum. Oh, okay. And that is um, a popular ingredient Mm -hmm. in China. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you would think of it as like Kentucky. Yes, <laughs> but no, they use sorghum in a lot of things. In fact, they make they make liquor from sorghum. What kind of? Yeah, liquor? that's what uh, baijiu okay is made from, which is the traditional. It's kind of like in Japan, what like a rice wine okay would be or sake, but this is made from sorghum and it um, will get you pretty drunk. Maybe I would like that better than sake because sake is just not my thing. It's not really mine either. I'll I'll do a little 
you know, bit of it at a Japanese restaurant, but it's not really a go-to for me. Yeah, no. But no, if you don't like sake, you would definitely not like Baijiu because it okay. tastes like rubbing alcohol. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll, I'll skip that yeah, next yeah. time. Well, that's a perfect segue. Um, so oh, on this episode of the Nougabelle podcast, I am joined by Amanda Angel. You've probably seen her on Instagram as Fit Food Chat. And one of the things that I'm super excited to talk about is you spent a month in China this summer. That's right. Um, city hopping and exploring the culinary world over there. Right. So I'm so excited to hear more about that. Awesome. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so I guess the background to how I ended up in China starts with I'm a teacher at the Bright School in Chattanooga. I teach fourth grade math, which I love and mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about. And our school is so awesome and very multicultural, and we have just um, families from all over the world, and so we think about these things, and in that vein, there is a staff travel grant given to one faculty member each year. You basically write a grant proposal saying a country that you would like to go to, and that you have a plan to visit a school while you're there, set up relations. I set up a pen pal program while I was over there um, with a school in Tianjin. So you write it up, and almost everyone submits a proposal every year. Why not, right? Right. And then from there, it's the luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the submissions are drawn literally out of a hat. And so I have submitted my same plan to go to China For three years in a row, just not thinking Mm -hmm. that it would ever actually happen. And when he pulled my name this last school year, I sobbed. I mean, (laughs) I could not believe it. And then I said, oh, I have to actually go to China now. (laughs) So you can make it whatever you want beyond those things. And so a lot of people will go with a friend or bring, you know, their whole family or something like that. And I just felt like this was an opportunity for an adventure Mm -hmm. that I would never have again. And I wanted to do it by myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what I was made of. Um, Really just drop myself on the other side of the world, out of my comfort zone, in a completely foreign land where I don't speak the language. So knowing that I had that opportunity, I wanted to also incorporate um, my other passion which is food. Mm -hmm. And I got um, to take so many different cooking classes. I took dumpling classes. I learned all the folds. Basically, I let myself eat whatever (laughs) was there, whatever the locals ate. I ate it. Exactly. Um, So I just completely let go of all of my quote-unquote rules that I have for myself here as far as healthy eating and lifestyle goes, and I just lived it up, mm-hmm. and I said that I, I ate my way through China, mm-hmm. and I literally did. Well, they generally eat pretty light and helpfully in Asian countries, because I had a, right? In China, a lot of the things were fried. Oh, really? But it is possible. You're not going to get around eating carbs, though, at all. I mean... I had my face in a bowl of noodles more often than not, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm so glad that I did. 
Um, I had a friend who went to Japan this spring, and she said that that was some of the healthiest food she's ever eaten. I would believe that about Japan, because okay. they have a lot more seafood. I experienced most of the lighter fare and seafood when I was in Hong Kong, because okay. they're on the coast. But inland, um, especially towards the west in the Sichuan province, it's all about just that spice. Okay. And just that in your face. Like, if you're not sweating... You're not eating. See, that's what I usually think of when I think of, like, Thai food. Right. Well, Western Chinese food is, that's where the the spicy Chinese food comes from. Okay. Learn something new every day. Yes. (laughs) And so that's actually how I sort of planned my trek through the country is I wanted to kind of hit um, some major cities and just some different provinces that have different local cuisines. And so I started in Beijing and then went to Shanghai. Shanghai is where, like, the sour flavor of Chinese food, like sweet and sour. Okay. Chicken, that's a Shanghai flavor. So very vinegary mm-hmm. based, um, but still not spicy. And, and Beijing was not spicy at all. Um, the big thing in Beijing is Peking duck. Okay. Um, and then from there, I went to um, Chongqing and Chengdu, which are considered the spiciest cities in the world. Oh, okay. Really. and um, I wouldn't have expected that. I would have figured those would have been in like Argentina or Chile. Right. It's just a different kind of spice. The Sichuan peppercorn, it almost, and I I took some at at the market one day and just ate it and just, you know, bit it up in my mouth and it makes your mouth numb. Interesting. It's, It's almost not even like spicy hot it just it's like a numbing tingling sensation and the pepper the peppers are hot too but it's just a different kind of heat yeah um so backing up a little bit why did you choose china i've just been fascinated with china and just asian culture in general my whole life when i was little i have lots of great memories of going to this little mom and pop chinese restaurant with my family Mm -hmm. and the people were really nice and you know they would teach me how to say something in Chinese and I remember there were these big bowls of um, wonton soup that they would put in the middle of the table and I loved that and the tea and also when I was little my dad was um, he did martial arts and he was into Asian culture and he taught me to use chopsticks Okay. At a really young age. See, I'm st- I still struggle with chopsticks. They're yeah. just not a thing I'm ever going to be able to do competently. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone at all. Most people can't. But I I have told my dad, thank you so much mm-hmm. for teaching me that at a young age because it was one less thing that put me out of my comfort zone while mm-hmm. I was in China. Oh, I can actually eat and I don't have to embarrass myself by asking for a fork, which probably most of the places didn't have forks anyway. Okay. So at least I had that. It was either chopsticks or eating with your hands, right? Right. (laughs) Right. So I've just always loved it and been fascinated with it. And also as a math teacher, Mm -hmm. a lot, I mean, just the educational culture in China has been fascinating to me. So I was looking forward to learning a lot about that Mm -hmm. when I visited my school and besides those things, it was kind of the most exotic place, the farthest away place mm-hmm. that I could imagine dropping myself into. 
and just traveling to a different world for a little while. I can imagine so. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you wanted to pick cities in like different regions of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you land on those cities in particular? Did you just like look at a map and like pick or? Kind of. I, I know I wanted to do, um, just kind of a swath of the whole country as best as I could. I also watched a lot of, um, YouTube videos yep. <laughs> and just, you know, oh, that city sounds really amazing. I really, one in particular that I went to, Guilin, most people have probably never heard of. By Chinese standards, it's really a small to medium sized city, but to us, I mean, you could still probably fit 50 Chattanoogas wow. in it. Um, but it's one of those I never would have known about had I not done a lot of research and just digging around into what was going to be interesting to me. And I'm so glad that I did because that mm -hmm. was that was my favorite place. Mm -hmm. The quote unquote smallest yeah. <laughs> city in China that I went to was definitely my favorite. It was like a little Savannah, Georgia. Aww. Or not a little Savannah, Georgia, but a Chinese Savannah, Georgia. Interesting. Yeah. So it's on the water? They have lots of rivers. Um, they call it the... The city of two rivers and four lakes. Okay. And there was, it was so lush and green, and most of the other cities in China are not lush mm -hmm. and green at all. So, yeah, I just did my research, and if something seemed like a must-do or must-go-to or must-eat-the-food mm -hmm. <laughs> here, mostly, um, I tried to put it on my list and just kind of mapped it out. I wanted to travel by train. Once I got over there, it's an enormous country, and most people would fly from, if you were going to, to Shanghai, to Chengdu or something like that, it would be a two- or three-hour plane ride, but I took a train, which was about 12 hours. Oh, wow. Um, China really is big. It really is. It's huge. And despite the enormous amount of people that are concentrated in each city, there's still so much rural land and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, the mountains are just, they're shaped differently than our mountains here. They're just ancient and it's just a different um, landscape than mm -hmm. what we're used to. So I think I've mentioned all of the cities mm -hmm. that I've been to that, or that I went um, mm -hmm. while I was over there. I actually cut one city out that was Shenzhen and it was, it, it's really close to Hong Kong, and I was in Guilin, and I was loving it so much, but then nothing really in Shenzhen was getting me excited. It's a very modern mm -hmm. city. It's only about 15 years old, and so to me, I'm in this ancient country, you know, for the history and the food, and they don't really have, have a lot of history there yet in Shenzhen, so... I canceled that, stayed longer <laughs> in Guilin instead, and I'm glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to ask, you know, we have plenty of Chinese restaurants all over America, but there's always the like comparison of like the Americanized version of the food versus like the real thing. What were some of the differences or similarities that you noticed between like what we eat over here right. and what you experienced over there? Right. Well, there were a lot more noodles, a lot more noodles um, than what you would get over here at a, at a Chinese restaurant. Noodles are just a huge thing. And so are dumplings. Okay. Um, handmade dumplings are huge over there and delicious. Mm -hmm. And there's a proper way to make them. And 
what you would get at a restaurant here, I think, or, you know, even in the frozen food aisle, just doesn't compare at all to the, just the tenderness and mm-hmm. the, the pillowy softness and the flavor that it's like a flavor bomb, whatever the <laughs> feeling is, it's always like a flavor bomb soup dumplings. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but they are a dumpling and it has some meat in it, but it also has broth. It literally has soup inside the dumpling. So you pick it up in the little spoon and you make a hole in it and you let the broth drain out of the little hole into the soup spoon and you drink it and then you eat the rest of the dumpling. That was really good. So it's a lot more of an experience. Definitely. Definitely. And... Just as far as I think how we think of Chinese, but how you would order it here, you would go for a meat and then you would go for rice, mm-hmm. you know, some some type of rice. And you do have those opportunities, but I found that their cuisine was not as built around rice okay, as, as what we think of it as. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was definitely, yeah, right. There was definitely rice. Um, don't get me wrong, but... Just kind of, I feel like now we've Americanized Chinese cuisine. We have like the idea of a meat and three. Mm-hmm. And so we do that. Like we, <laughs> we kind of put other cuisines and other cultures into that box. And it's not always necessarily mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah. But I will say Shangri-La, if I'm talking what's probably the most authentic or the best in Chattanooga that I've had, um, Shangri-La. Okay. That's a couple blocks away from my office, and we yeah. have a contingent of people who go there, like, weekly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's it's still a little bit of the Americanized version, mm-hmm. but um, I like it. Yeah. I have a soft spot for fried rice. That's, like, my yeah. guilty pleasure food, and yeah. I will always, always love it. That's a great guilty pleasure food, and there are amazing ways to make it where it doesn't have to feel guilty at all. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have not perfected those ways yet. I'm still working on it, but... Yeah, that's like a go-to easy meal mm-hmm. for me all the time because um, you can just, whatever veggies you've got or whatever, whatever kind of rice you've got, just kind of throw it throw it all in the pan and crack an egg. And yeah. <laughs> I can never get the egg right. I don't know if I'm like putting it in the wrong part of the pan or if I'm not like giving it enough room to like scramble it and then mix it in Mm. because mine always gets like the the like uncooked egg gets mixed in with the rice and then it gets kind of like weird texture Mm. I kind of like it like that I don't that's all that's all I do is Mm -hmm. I just kind of scramble it and let the heat of the rice cook it I haven't quite gotten that that right yeah but still working on it (laughs) yeah so while you were there, uh, did you take like cooking classes or did you just go to like various markets and restaurants? Um, what all did you do when you were All of the above. Um, <laughs> yes. In just about every city that I, that I went to, I had a cooking class lined up, um, just kind of like a day mm-hmm. thing. And some of those classes would start out with a market visit. So we would walk through the local market and taste things along the way and see how the local market vendors were doing things, check out kind of the different variations of produce that they had versus what we have here, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And then I also took a food tour. Okay. So a lot of times my morning would be a cooking class 
and my evening would be a food tour where I would go, <laughs> go around to the restaurants that the tour um, would take you to. And those were always great. I would highly recommend food tours for anyone who travels mm-hmm. as a way, when you very first get to a new city, it's a good way to get your bearings mm-hmm. and kind of learn, you know, some of the streets. And then also they're going to take you to places that you would have not found on your own that mm-hmm. are not going to be on Yelp or anything like that. You know, I, I got to go to so many little hole in the wall, noodle places and bars and, um, that I just would have never found on my own that were just gems. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the the cooking classes and the food tours, and then I would, of course, sprinkle in the must-see things, the Great Wall of China, the pandas. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, the pandas. <laughs> <laughs> they were so awesome. So were they on, like, reserves, or were you at, like, a zoo? or? Well, in, in Chengdu... They're very proud of their pandas in Chengdu. There are, I think, three or four or maybe even more um, panda sanctuaries. Okay. And I went to um, the Panda Research Center. And in the 80s, they started out with only four or five pandas. And as of today, they have had, what was the number? It was somewhere around 150. Oh, wow. So they have done a really good job, and I learned so much. Apparently, it's very difficult to breed pandas or to encourage hmm. pandas to breed for various reasons. <laughs> but one is because they're very lazy. They're I, just notoriously yeah. lazy. And, I mean, all they want to do is sit around and eat bamboo. And <laughs> they're like, they're like um, a guy on the couch getting, like, Dorito crumbs all over his belly. <laughs> That's exactly how the pandas are with the bamboo. They're just, like, letting the husk drop all on their belly. And But once they get in there, they're so fast. This would sound boring, but it was fascinating to watch. They would remove the husk, and they would get to the green part of the inside of the bamboo. And that's all they eat every day, but you could just tell. Once they got to that green, they would crunch into it. And it was like the best bite of food that they ever had. And it was just um, amazing to watch them do that. And then finally, after they ate for several hours, they would kind of roll around really lazy and play. But it looked like they were not doing much of anything. Um, But they were just, I don't know, some animal species. You can just tell that there's, I don't know, I just want to say there's like a soul yeah. There. And you could just look in their eyes and know that there was a wisdom and an intelligence there. Mm-hmm. And um, just gave me chills. That's awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. So what were some of your favorite food items or meals that you learned to cook and eat while you were there? Dumplings for sure. <laughs> but I have not made those since I've been back. What I really need is a night with some girlfriends or something where we have all the things and we all kind of sit around and make dumplings together. Mm -hmm. I've got the steamer basket. I've got everything, you know, that you need to make them. I just haven't done it yet. It's kind of time consuming. It's kind of a process. So what is the process like? So the dough is very easy to make. Um, It's just basically flour and water. You get it to a certain consistency. You let it rise a little bit. Um, you just kind of, um, roll it out really thin into these little circles and then whatever, 
filling you want. You kind of prepare that separately and let it cool. Um, my favorite filling that I had was egg and chive. Okay. Which doesn't sound that exciting, but for some reason it it was just amazing. There was garlic in there and ginger and just scrambled eggs and chives. Okay. And um, I'm sorry, not chives, scallions. Okay. Still in the onion still family. In the, <laughs> still in the uh, green onion family, yes. But also, you know, you can do pork ones. Um, pork is huge mm-hmm. over there. I had to kind of get over that hump because generally I don't eat pork mm-hmm. here. But like I said, I was allowing myself to eat everything. Pork is so huge in China that they don't even refer to it as pork. When they say meat, they're talking about pork. That, that's just the default? Yes. Interesting. And then if it's a different meat, they will say beef or duck. Okay. Or chicken. But meat is pork. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, yeah. And just always so, the pork dumplings, just always so full of flavor. And So the dumplings um, were probably my favorite thing. I need to make them here. And then there, <laughs> there were probably the simplest things were my favorite. There was a spicy cucumber dish that, that they would have. A lot of times it would just be kind of an appetizer or... Um, a bar snack, mm-hmm. and it's literally pretty much fresh chopped up cucumbers and chili oil, um, like with the Sichuan chilies okay. and peppers. So it's a, it's like cooling and spicy at the okay. same time. So delicious. Um, of course, I already mentioned noodles. I've made a couple of noodle dishes since I've been back. Oh, eggplant. Do you like eggplant? I do not. So yeah, people are either... Um, they either love it or they hate it. And usually like people Brussels know. Yes. <laughs> I would encourage you to try eggplant a little bit more. Um, it's one of my favorite vegetables. And one of the ways that they prepare it over there, it sounds funny, but the dish is called fish-flavored eggplant. Okay. Which sounds kind of <laughs> gross because you don't really want something to be flavored like fish unless it's right. fish. But... Actually, it's not flavored like fish. The wealthy, a long time ago, the wealthy people were the only ones who could afford fish mm-hmm. because, and we're talking about the inland areas um, that were not on the coast. And so the wealthy people would have this particular fish dish, and the poor people wanted to have their own variation of that that didn't include the expensive, hard to get fish. Okay. So it's basically the same sauce. That is used in that fish dish, but they've done it over eggplant as an an affordable variation of that okay. dish a long time That's ago. That's interesting. Yeah. And then the sauce is very, it's like one of the things that was not spicy. It was okay. not spice forward. It was very gingery and almost sweet, almost kind of that sweet and sour, like the Shanghai flavor mm-hmm. that I was telling you about. And so I've had the chance to make that a couple of times and been able to kind of work on how that sauce comes together for me. Okay. You know, with the ingredients that I have. And again, people have their opinions about eggplant. Mm -hmm. And usually everyone is nice and they'll try it, but they either love it or they're like, "Mm, eggplant's not really my thing. Yeah. 
I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've tried it or had it, so maybe I'll give it another chance. Yeah, maybe you I'll talk- make you some fish-flavored eggplant. You talked me into spaghetti squash, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spaghetti squash is definitely a go-to also. Yeah, yes. Um, one question that I did not send you earlier today, but I thought of as soon as we started talking... Traveling solo is not always the easiest thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the like challenges and like things you learned about yourself as you were traveling solo for a month in a foreign country? I'd say the main thing that I learned is, damn, I can do anything. I mean, it just gave me such an empowered feeling that, okay, I know no one here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm out of my comfort zone, but yet I can figure this out. And one big thing for me was um, the metro stations. I was okay. trying really hard to not take taxis and Ubers everywhere. Um, so one day I just said to myself, I need to learn this metro station thing. And I met a girl um, at one of my hostels who was from New York and she helped a lot, but as she and I were talking, she was like, um, this is like home for me. She's like, you know, I'm from New York city. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've been navigating the subways there since I was five years old. And I said, well, in the South, we do not have subways. The closest thing that I've had much experience with is Marta in Atlanta, Atlanta, (laughs) which literally goes two directions Yep, (laughs) and it's not that difficult, but it was overwhelming for me at first because you know, most of it is in Chinese and, you know, how do you buy a ticket and how do you make sure you're getting off at the right place? And the last thing I need is to get off at, at the wrong spot and I don't know where I am. Mm -hmm. And so just little by little, um, trying it and figuring that out. Um, I feel like I've, I've got that skill set now, which yeah, it may sound a little silly. I know how to navigate subways Mm -hmm. and metros now, but it was something I didn't know how to do before. Yeah. I mean, traveling solo has its pros and cons. There were definitely times that I would be doing something and I would think, wow, I just wish that there was someone here to experience this view Mm -hmm. with. Or like when I was with the pandas, I just, I wanted my little boy Mm -hmm. with me so bad. Asher, he, he would have loved it. And of course we've talked about it a a lot and he knows I want to take him there. But there was also the aspect of, you're not on anyone else's schedule and you literally get to do whatever you want to do. I would not have been able to do all of the classes and the food tours that I did if anyone had traveled with me because that's not really anybody else's jam like it's my jam. Right. And so it gave me the freedom mm-hmm. to to do all of that. That independence. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it had its pros and cons for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm I'm glad that I did and I think now I have the travel solo bug. Yeah. I'm kind of trying to look around now for somewhere else exotic to go that may not be as expensive to get to as as China was. What was the flight like going back and forth? (laughs) (laughs) That was the worst part. That was honestly the worst part. Um, It was 15 hours. And my flight went from Atlanta to Toronto And then from Toronto, we literally flew over the North Pole to Beijing. Like, like, (laughs) yeah, what we think of as the top of the globe. Oh my, why? It's the shortest distance between those two points. Interesting. Yeah. 
I did not know that. Yeah, so that was a little strange, but um, it just, I don't sleep well. Um, I don't sleep at all on planes or sitting up or especially squished between other people. Oh, me either. Um, the 15 hours felt like way longer mm-hmm. than that. And I wish that I liked movies better. I'm yeah. just not a huge movie fan. And so they had lots of great movies um, in, you know, kind of the screen and the headrest in front of you. And I did watch some, but there was just no way that my attention span could have yeah. done 15 hours worth of movies. That's a lot some of movies. Some people could, though. Yeah. Some people like movies enough to where they mm-hmm. could just, you know, watch one right after the other and the I flight would fly I can do that by. when I'm going to Europe because that's what, like, seven, eight hours. Right. That's like a tolerable amount of movie watching. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I agree. fifteen hours is just I mean, I love Harry Potter, but I couldn't do it for that long. No. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And on the way back I actually I had a a little bit more comfortable seat. I was by a window. It's amazing what a difference that makes. Yeah. Just a window seat <laughs> versus oh, I know. being squeezed between two other people. Um so the flight back was a lot better, and I did enjoy um, some some more movies there. But um, that is a huge thing to take into consideration, just the time that it takes to get over there. Um, I left Atlanta the morning of the 17th, mm-hmm. June 17th. And because of the time zones, because of the flight and all of that, I did not arrive in Beijing until 4 p.m. on the 18th. Wow. So it was like a day and a half of my Mm -hmm. life was gone. Yep. Which is so strange. Yeah. And like you have to build that into your schedule because you have to like make it worth the time it takes to get there so your body can adjust so you actually feel like you're taking in everything. Exactly. And that was another thought behind um, staying for a full month is if I'm going to fly for this long and be, you know, this thrown off of my schedule, I'm going to really make it worth it. Yep. 1,000%. Yeah. I think two weeks would be, you know, but I wouldn't do it again just to go for one week. Yeah. I mean, you would just barely get off of your jet lag Mm -hmm. and then get on plane again. Yeah. Uh, Last question. So you experienced and learned a lot while you were over there. Um, How are you planning to incorporate all of that back into your life back in Chattanooga? Well, I love to cook for people. Mm-hmm. And I already have been able to cook um, some Chinese meals for some people that I love. And so I just want to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. And that also gives me an opportunity to express and represent my trip and my experience through food. Yeah. Um, also, just my day-to-day food um, that I make and cook for myself, obviously, now. You know, I'm making a lot more Chinese food mm-hmm. or, or things like that have a little bit more of the Chinese ingredients. The Asian food. Have you been to the Asian food market on Hicks and Pike? There's an Asian food market? Yes. Ooh, tell me more. It's called Asian Asian food and gifts, I believe. Okay. Um, it's really near um, the food city on, okay. on Hicks and Pike. And they are, the owners are Chinese. And they have all of the unique Asian ingredients that you wouldn't be able to find at Food City or Publix. Okay. 
Um, Good so, to know. Yeah. So if there's something really authentic that you want to make, you can go in. They even have a lot of the produce. I don't know how they get it, but they have a lot of the the more Chinese style of produce and vegetables and fruits that I... So like lychee or lychee? They had lychee and... Um, oh, I have a funny story about, about lychee at a market. Um, <laughs> they have these, these little fat bananas that I fell in love with. Um, in China, I think they call them Thai bananas. Every now and then, the Asian um, market will have them, and they're littler, they're smaller, and they're they're fatter and they're sweeter. Mm-hmm. They they almost taste like a pear. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting, very delicious. I had lychee tea at Goodman recently. Oh, and it was like one of those blossoming teas where it like. It's wrapped or, like, held together, and then once the water gets into it enough, it, like, blossoms. Yeah. And there was, like, a jasmine blossom and lychee and something else. It was quite good. Nice. I did not know Goodman did fancy tea like I that. I did not either until I was there a couple weeks ago. Wow. I brought back some tea um, that does that also. Um, that's osmanthus tea. And it looks... When it's dry, it looks like little pellets. Mm-hmm. You're like, what is this? Like dragon pearls type? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you open it up with the hot water and the leaves completely unfold. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's just really, really neat and really delicious. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. We could do a whole nother episode <laughs> about tea. <laughs> yeah, we could just do tea. In fact, I drank so much tea while I was over there and I was really proud of myself. I was like, man... I'm going to do really great about incorporating tea in my mm-hmm. day-to-day life when I get back home. And sadly, I have not <laughs> been as great about incorporating tea as, as what I wanted to. But mm-hmm. now that the school year is starting back and mm-hmm. I'm getting on a routine, um, I feel like that's when I usually, when I'm when I'm wanting to incorporate a new healthy routine, mm-hmm. it's, okay, I'm going to do it during this time of my day when I have this set schedule. Mm-hmm. During the summertime, everything's just off schedule mm-hmm. and it's hard to incorporate anything new. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. All right. Shifting gears. It is time for the jar. Um, if you are a faithful Nougabelle podcast listener, you know all about the jar. But if you're new, this is my mason jar filled with colorful pieces of paper and all sorts of fun questions that we are going to talk about. Yay. I know all about the jar. <laughs> all right. What is your favorite breakfast food? Probably avocado. Just like plain with salt and pepper? <laughs> I Yes, I can eat it like that. Um, I'm trying to or, train myself to be able to eat it just like plain with salt and pepper. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'll do um, a couple of eggs over medium. This would be like a, a weekend mm-hmm. um, breakfast. A couple of eggs... And lay the eggs on top of some sliced avocado, mm-hmm. throw some tomatoes on there, and drizzle it all with olive oil and salt and pepper. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds tasty. Yeah, that's a good breakfast. Um, during the week, I usually just eat fruit for breakfast. Um, a lot of times, a banana with almond butter. And that might sound boring, but it's so good no, to me. <laughs> I love it. That's... I'm not a huge banana person. Like, I can't just, like, peel a banana and eat it. But I really? love the peanut butter banana flavor combo. Yeah. 
Like when I used to make smoothies in college, I did peanut butter, banana, and like a scoop of cocoa powder. Oh yeah. With like almond milk or something. Uh huh. That's so a dessert. good. Yeah. It's, That's a good way to trick yourself. Yeah. Into thinking that you're having a treat. Mm-hmm. My favorite breakfast food. I love avocado toast. This past weekend, I made cheddar and herb waffles. Ooh, cheddar and herb. I'm experimenting with recipes for a potential cookbook. What was the herb? I did rosemary and thyme yeah. with white cheddar. Oh, yeah. And they were... See, if you had just said cheddar or cheese waffles or something like that, I'd been like, man, but you, you hooked me with the herb. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I knew cheese waffles would just be too boring. Yeah. That's um, a really... So you liked it? I did. I need to do another round because I wanted to bring out the cheese a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I added a little bit of black pepper... Mm. I made like one waffle and then tasted it and was like, no, this needs something. So I put a little bit of black pepper in it and it brought it out a little bit, but not quite enough. Mm-hmm. So I want to try to make it again and actually add the black pepper in yeah. first. Definitely. And, yeah. And I'm a huge black pepper fan. You cannot black pepper enough. I, for me. when I make mac and cheese, I cover yes. it in black pepper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I thought of something else for breakfast. If I'm going out for brunch, mm-hmm. what I really like, I love Eggs Benedict. But okay. I especially love like a smoked salmon Eggs Benedict. Okay. Um, I love just the traditional like locks mm-hmm. on a bagel. Um, I don't eat it very often, but once in a blue moon, if I'm just going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Lox and cream cheese and the capers and mm-hmm. the whole nine on a bagel. I Everything bagel. Yes. I love the idea of Eggs Benedict, but I don't like poached eggs. Mm. So if I get it, I always ask for my eggs scrambled. Oh. <laughs> and every now and then I get kind of a funny look and they're like, well, that's not really Eggs Benedict. And I'm like, I know, but humor me here. <laughs> you, I bet you don't like a runny yolk, do Mm-mm. you? Oh my gosh, I live for a runny yolk, Kate. <laughs> but they, they look so pretty on Instagram. So like every now and then I'll get one, yeah. but they're not, not my go-to. All yeah. right. Okay, pink my one. turn. I will get pink one. One movie or TV show you won't believe I've never seen. Well, like I said, I'm not a huge movie buff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I saw the first one, but I have never seen any of the other Harry Potter movies. Okay. That's and not super met- unusual. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> I thought, especially because I know you are a Harry Potter lover, I, I, I thought that you'd be shocked. I didn't get into it until I was in college. Okay. So I, I grew up in the Harry Potter generation, but I wasn't, like, into it as a kid. I yeah. got into it in college. Yeah. What about you? The Office. You've never seen the show, The Office? I've never seen The Office. Okay. And I'm just now recently watching Parks and Rec for the first time. Okay. Yeah, if you like Parks and Rec, you'll definitely like The Office. Parks and Rec, the first season and the first half of the second season were rough. I just didn't really get into it. it I was struggling real hard. Yeah. But now I'm... How many seasons are there now? Seven. They're not making those anymore, are they? I don't. I honestly don't know. I just know there's seven seasons on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like halfway through season five, 
And I think about halfway through season three, I like really got invested. Yeah. And yeah. one of my best friends down in Atlanta was the one who like talked me into watching it. And I'm texting her every night like, oh my gosh, I'm at this part. And yeah. she's watched it start to finish umpteen times. So she's she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Too. I've watched probably most of those, but in no particular sequential order, just mm-hmm. as I've caught them. Um but yeah, put the office on your list. Mm-hmm. Follow the Jim and Pam romance. Yeah, I've I've heard things about that one. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll give it a try once I finish Parks and Rec. Yes. Because it'll be on Netflix for like a little bit. Relevant. One country I would love to visit. Okay, so another country that I would love to visit is now Japan. Okay. Um, and then also Thailand. I guess I'm kind of on an Asian country's um, <laughs> kick right now. But I know the question says one, but um, I'm also really interested in South America mm-hmm. right now. And maybe trying some places um, like Colombia, Peru. Yeah, where all the coffee Chile. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And just a different type of cuisine that I could mm-hmm. could learn. Um, that would be interesting. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Um, so I usually say like Austria because oh. I love the sound of music and I just want to go to Salzburg. That's right. Um, but I'm super, super fascinated with Scandinavian culture. Uh-huh. And I really want to go see like Norway, Sweden, Finland and do all that. Yeah. And one of my bucket list items is to see the Northern Lights. Oh, So I really want to go experience all of that. But I've always read that the best way to do that is by boat. And I don't really like... To see the Northern Lights? No, to do like Scandinavia. Oh, okay. Um, But I don't really like cruises or being on boats for extended periods of time. So I'm going to have to either do one country at a time or just fly from city to city. Yeah, you could do it that way. I think so. But yeah. Skate. Well, Europe Europe has the rail system. Do they not have a way to? I'm sure they do somewhere up there. I don't know yeah. if they're on Eurorail or Eurostar or what. Yeah. I'd have to figure that out because I like train travel. Yeah. Yeah. Train. I loved um, traveling on trains. Mm-hmm. They've got their shit together over there. Oh. All right. Finish this out. Okay. What's one of your end of year goals? Usually my goals um, year to year revolve around running and mm-hmm. I'll plan a couple of half marathons and a couple of races that I want to do. Um, I'll probably do at least one more half marathon and I'm, and I'm, I want to do the Ragnar. Oh um, yeah. And I, I think I'm going to, we just need to actually sign up for it. But um, I have a friend who's super into Ragnar and she loves it. Yeah. Has she done the Chattanooga to Nashville one? Mm-hmm. Several yeah. times. Okay. Yeah, I'm currently getting a, a group of friends together to, to do it. Mm-hmm. She loves it. Yeah. That's awesome. So that'll be my, my end of year goal. I'll, I'll make it official right here on the podcast. <laughs> my end of year goal is to do the Ragnar this nice. year. Nice. Um, mine is to get my email list started oh. and start doing a newsletter through email. You don't do that already? I write. <laughs> I mean, it, I, it feels like you do. I 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I will definitely be on your email list, so I'm, I guess I would know. I'm still trying to figure out if I want to do it, like, every other week or just once a month. And, heck, I don't even even have it, like... I have my MailChimp account set up. That's about as far as I've yeah. got so far. So <laughs> I just good. I just need to, like, pick a day and just sit down, and that's all I need to do. Yeah. It's just get it going. I feel like I have so many tasks that I say that about. Like, yep. I just need a full day <laughs> to, to devote to this. And, of course, you never get that no. full day. I'm lucky if I get, like, three hours. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. Um, we are going to wrap up there. Um, it has been absolutely lovely chatting with you all about China and food and adventures. Yeah. Um, awesome to talk about it. Yeah. Where can people find you on social media to see more? So you can look at my China travels um, at Instagram and it's at a.nangel went to China. Okay. And then also at fitfoodchat. Awesome. Fit.food.chat. Cool. I will plug those in the show notes when the episode goes live. Yes, please awesome. do. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Nougabell podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, I would love if you rate, review, and or share uh, so more people can hear about it. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll catch y'all on the next one.